Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Adventure Audio Podcast. This week, we have Jim Capper back on the podcast. Jim is the head coach at Tyler Hamilton Training, an endurance athlete himself, and a really great and experienced coach, um, as is Tyler. And this is our first official segment of Ask the Coaches, where we take listener questions and get into some of the technical side of training for endurance sports. So we have a bunch of fun topics that we covered today. We really enjoyed doing these. So everybody who wrote in another big thank you for doing so and please continue to do so and we can keep this segment going. So ask the coaches, you can send questions for Tyler or Jim or Tyler and Jim to adventureaudiopodcast at gmail.com and we will get them answered on the podcast long form. If there is something that we cover that you would like more clarity on or you think that could apply to you in in a slightly different terms but you'd like to get something specific on again shoot us a, shoot us a note you can reach out to us on social media instagram twitter or facebook or adventure audio podcast at gmail.com and we will be back to you with another show soon hey yeah thanks you guys i'm excited for our first installation of stump the, i mean ask the coach <laughs> Yeah, we hopefully hopefully won't be stumping anybody, but if we do, then we'll then we'll we'll know what we need to research and you know learn something together. Exactly. So okay, so we're gonna do. Uh, I like it. We're gonna record our first uh, episode of Ask the Coach or Coaches, uh, Jim Capper and Tyler Hamilton. Uh, any type of any type of endurance training questions that you have, or cycling, or anything like that. It might be about your gear setup or some of your own training. Um, programs or anything like that anything you want to dissect so we'd encourage you to write into the podcast at adventure audio podcast at gmail.com or just send us a pm on any of our social media feeds so to get started some of these are credited and some of them some of the questions are uncredited because i didn't get who asked them and where from uh just because they didn't they didn't tell me but this is from james bowman i hope i'm pronouncing your name right james he's from florida and his question for you guys was, I live in the flattest part of the flattest state in the country, Southwest Florida, but I have family in California and Colorado, and I like to ride my bike when I visit them out West. How would you advise a recreational cyclist to train to ride mountains when I have no mountains to practice on? Yeah, that's a great question, James. Um, funny enough, I was, I was actually in Florida a week ago and um, commenting about how we kind of customize the training to, to people's different locations, right? So James in Florida, I know for hill training, you ride the bridges and the overpasses, right? That's, I mean, that's literally, that's what you do. But, you know, sp specific interval work will raise your upper end levels. And although you're somewhat limited to the ter by the terrain, just doing interval, interval work is a really good way to compensate for that. I think that more than the grade of the roads that you're able to ride, the bigger factor is maybe acclimating to elevation um, when you go to Colorado or California. And I've, I've found a couple things to be true from my experience. And Tyler, let me know what you think about this. But there seems to be this phenomenon where somebody travels from sea level lands in Denver 
at you know a mile high 5200 feet and it's almost like immediately if you don't have time to get out there prior to that like your body will respond immediately it's like go for it and then for the next few days things are a little more difficult um it's all based on you know individual physiology and whatnot but when you make those trips be sure that you stay really well hydrated that makes a big difference uh avoid alcohol but yeah. for your individual training you know on the flats specific interval training i think is the best way to kind of increase your strength um which will which will help you on those climbs yeah maybe a little bit of big gear work too right jim maybe yeah for sure because you know when you're spinning on the flats at 90 or 100 plus rpm you're you're not going to be able to do that on the steep grade so that's a good point you know some slower rpm big gear work yeah right and then what would you do if you were indoors same type thing you know you can you can create you know a lot of people with these with a smart trainer can set the the erg or the resistance a lot higher so just real high resistance where you're kind of not able to spin as much yeah speaking right. of just to slow trainers, down your cadence what's that just to slow down your cadence and, and mimic the mimic the climb exactly exactly uh, just on a little side tangent, isn't it incredible? Like what's happened in indoor cycling just over the last few years, kind of like gravel. It's just really taken off. And it's amazing. It, it's, it's amazing. Been, I mean, yeah. there are, you know, full on indoor events, right. races, you know, yeah. all the time where totally. people are racing one another, you know, throughout the world. Yeah. One race. It's, pre- it's amazing. It really is. It really, really is. Really neat. Uh, I had a buddy uh, the other day who did a race one of these e-races and he said he got in late. So he got like, he was kind of far back on the start. I guess they have like starting grids. And he said, yeah, he said it was like the hardest effort he's done in a long, long time. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. It's really cool. Especially, I mean, in Florida in the summer. Cause there's like Watopia and Zwift to get outside. Yeah. Watopia. I've, I've heard of that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's a popular one. Yeah. Are you guys, are either of you guys doing any of this indoor cycling? I've been doing a little bit. Um, we've uh, we've had a pretty typical Pacific Northwest winter thus far, meaning it's you know it's raining pretty good every day. So although it's fairly warm, you know some days half the battle is just getting outside. So so yeah, I've been I've been spending a little bit of time indoors. I think it's always it, yeah. I always like to get outside a little bit more, but yeah, it's a great tool. I mean, I know Tyler spent a ton of time on the trainer and spin bike and. You know, it's all part of it. I think for 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 James in Florida, you know, it's kind of the opposite. Summer can probably be a, a tougher time to get out when the heat's just so oppressive. For sure. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I don't ride inside anymore. Sticky. I, I uh, did too much of that when I was a pro. Um, I did do a spin class recently. I joined a local gym, and I hadn't been to a gym spin. in like in ten years. I'd not <laughs> lifted weights in ten years or anything, but I did a spin class. But I've done, I've spent way too much time riding indoors. You know, maybe it would be a breath of fresh air to like, you know, do one of these new, tra- try one of these new trainers. But um, I like, you know, when I do have time to go ride, I like to get outside. Yeah. You know, we provide nature. We provide know? a lot of indoor workouts for clients. But one thing I remember Tyler always saying, and, and I found through also is that riding indoors, it's good to have like both auditory and visual stimulation, you know, sure. so. And oh, and another thing, a fan. So many people 
yeah. You know, forget to, it's really important you're riding indoors, even if it's cool, have a fan on you because you just sweat like crazy and you don't have the wind resistance to help evaporate the sweat. So, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Good, good, important part of the setup. So, with all, so this, I'm just going to continue on this tangent for a minute because it's interesting to me. It's super interesting. it, it is super interesting. Like I'm still old school where I do have a bike inside and I'll put time into it, but it's, it's not structured. Like I'm watching a movie, right. And I'm getting base miles. Do you still think there's a place for that? they just like zone two, just time on the bike. Or do you think you should use that indoor time to be more structured? I don't know. I think that there comes a pretty quickly appointed diminishing returns when it's just aimless, you know, sitting on the bike watching a movie. But on the other hand, it makes you feel good. You feel good for being active and it's, it's better than, you know, laying on the couch, eating potato chips, watching a movie. Right. But I, I think for, I like, that's how I trick myself into doing <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. Right. But I think for really for increasing performance, maybe a little more specific workout, which indoors we really, rarely like people to be on the you know trainer or, or spin bike or whatever for for much more than an hour at, at the most because it's all specific you can knock out you know an intense and also interesting workout in in a you know 30 minutes 45 minutes an hour 20 yeah so yeah but i'm I not remember. to say that i'm not to, i'm not telling people you know don't watch a movie and ride because i think that's it's good too. It's just, it's good physical activity, but it might not be the best way to make you a better cyclist. Yeah. I heard on, um, on a, a bike packing podcast, I think it was actually Ryan Corey a couple of years ago and he was interested interviewing one of the organizers of, I think it was the Alberta Rockies 700. So if, if he's listening, I apologize for not remembering his name, but I think that in that interview, he said that he would watch like back to back movies, like long ones, like on the trainer godfather one like he put he'd put seven hours into his trainer for for some of these bike packing races and i thought that that sounded like like psychotic <laughs> to me that sounds that's brutal that's brutal i think the yeah that's I ever did was five hours and it was you know but you know you could say it's good mental training you know it's tough it's tough that's like, what i was just gonna say that takes a lot of mental discipline to to uh ride indoors for for multiple hours like that yeah i think another thing especially when you're doing long rides indoor um to prevent injury it's good to kind of move around a little bit stand up once in a while change your hand position you know etc just because it's so static right you can get kind of locked in one position which isn't necessarily the best for your body whereas when you're riding outside you know it's dynamic you're turning you've got gravitational force and you know, twists in the road and not that kind of keep your body adjusting where you can just, you can kind of get locked into a real stationary position indoors. So I think it's good to mix it up, move around, change your position. Yeah. And you know, if we typically don't recommend our clients do, you know, long rides indoors, but if, you know, if you are, if you're in a cold area where it's like, you don't get outside or, you know, do your three to four hour endurance ride and you want to spend two to three hours on the trainer, you know, um, kind of try to break it up in little, little bits and pieces. Um, definitely get off the, get off the bike maybe for a few minutes once in a while, maybe put throw on a new t-shirt, maybe throw on a new pair of shorts, uh, cause you can sweat a little bit more when you're inside. And, um, 
and yeah, keep it, keep things interesting. You know, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, good point. Tips. Good but, tips. Uh, but intervals, intervals is the way around uh, improving for hills. For well, sure. I think a, a combination of like what Tyler said, some big gear work just, you know, which is, is almost like lifting weights on a bike, right? Strength type work. So high resistance, high force, you know, yeah. low cadence that builds strength. I just know somebody that would stack like, like three hardcover books underneath their front tire to make their bike feel like they're going uphill. Do you think that makes any sense? Yeah. You know, they have, they have blocks and stuff that you can also um, put your, put on your bike. And now, I think it's uh, like Wahoo. I saw a video that this bike shop in Boulder put out, this bike shop called Excel. And there's a trainer that will literally raise and lower the bike's front end. You That's know, great. to simulate climbing. Yeah. It so yeah, I, I, use, for sure. I use the telephone book at one time. A lot of people probably don't know what a telephone book is now. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's That's like a contact. A it's it's an old school contact list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I think that that probably covers that one. But if that if that didn't cover exactly what uh, what we, what we were looking for, if there's any follow up questions, then obviously, hopefully, we'll get um, reached out to about that. And I think, I think that the same question also applies to altitude, but we, we touched on that too. So, and, and that's probably as much of a real thing for people as anything when you are traveling to do a race or an event or something like that, right? It's a big thing, you know, and it affects everyone differently. Everyone's physiology is a little bit different, right? But in an ideal world, you have time to get out, you know, 10 days in advance and, and acclimate, but that's not realistic for most people, right? So... Right. Um, yeah. Things that you can do to mitigate it, stay hydrated, you know, avoid alcohol, et cetera. Absolutely. And those actually, those are both good tips for um, dealing with time zone changes too, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. And, but, you know, another thing for people to remember when they're traveling to altitude is that they're not the only ones doing that. Sure, there are locals, right, that might be a little more accustomed to it, but there are other people feeling the same, you know, that, that have yeah. traveled in too. Right. And everyone's hurting no matter what. So <laughs> good. Good point. Good point. Because that's the type of thing you can get into your own head pretty badly. At, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So it is what it okay. is. Uh, next question is from Phil in Colorado. Don't know. Don't know where in Colorado, but uh, Phil, Phil wanted to know about uh, wattage for training and uh, what you guys think is the best power meter setup. Um, I, I don't know if he means necessarily in terms of like reliability or accurate power readings, but I do think this is an interesting topic because a lot of people wonder if they're getting good data. I know that for sure. Um, and then I've also got another question that I think ties into this uh, talking about, and this one's uncredited. And I think we can cover both topics together though, in my mind. The other question is, okay, I've got three or four bikes that I'm riding, I'm not going to put a power meter on each one. I ride them with equal kind of amount. So how do I try and train with heart rate rather than power data? So I guess we'll tackle power first. What, what do you guys think is the best setup? Is it, is it a hub? Is it a pedal? Is it a crank arm? Yeah. Hey, Phil, great question. Um, you know, there, I think there was a time 
when power meters were new and and the price is coming down on them too as well which is nice because they you know can that stuff can just add up so quickly but for a long time i think srm was kind of the industry standard colorado yeah. company i think they're based out of colorado springs maybe um and it seemed like everybody else was kind of catching up with them and, and you know i will say that we have no brand loyalty so we're not sponsored by or married to to anybody so this is all you know a matter of i hope an unbiased opinion but you know over the last four or five years there's so many manufacturers that are coming out with great platforms so i think the market is kind of equalizing um in my opinion you know some people will want to say well you know this power meter reads higher than this one or etc i think when they're you can, you, you know, you can calibrate them often, but I think the most important thing is that whatever power meter individual has is that it's consistent, right? So right. say it runs, you know, 20 watts higher, 20 watts low, as long as it always does that, that's the most important thing. Um, kind of going into the next question, and so I'm sorry, Tyler, but- No, no, you're you know, good. You're jump done. in with your you're thoughts fit. too. You're good, you're good. Um, Jumping into the next question regarding, you know, training on multiple bikes, heart rate is great no matter what. And we've worked with so many athletes and clients exclusively with heart rate, right, at, at all levels. And it, it's a great tool. So it's the same principle. You know, it's all, it's all based on your zones. Um, a counter to that is for somebody that, you know, has multiple bikes has a power meter on one, but, you know, then uses heart rate on three other bikes. I think a good option are there are several companies that make um, power, power meters that are based off of pedals. So um, Garmin, you know, yeah. being one of them. In their first iteration, honestly, I didn't think was, was great. Um, they've improved a bunch. They're, they're really good. The Garmin Vector, they have a whole bunch of different pedals. Um, so you can just bring them from bike to bike, you know, and you can travel with them too. You can put them on a spin bike at a hotel. Um, right. Uh, Good point. Power tap has a pedal. So that's another option, but heart rate is a great tool. So you're not selling yourself sh short, just going off the heart rate. Yeah. <clears throat> and all, all the, well said, Jim. Um, but all that being said, you know, don't be so number crazy, you know, um, you know, we have to look at numbers a lot as being coaches, but like, I feel like too many athletes, not even just cyclists, just athletes are so worried about their numbers and, you know, and, um, you know, I used to be a freak about it, but you know, my, when I was in high school, I had a coach that, uh, always reminded me to, to listen to my body, you know, don't, it was right when uh, heart rate monitor was, were coming out, it shows you how old I am. But, yeah, they were just coming out, and he was like, and people were getting in all these like I remember all these Nordic uh, skiers at my uh, the school I went to were getting really into the heart rate mon monitors, and this guy always was always quick to tell us like don't don't forget you know what it's like to listen to your body to feel to to know how it's doing. You know, these days it's like you ask somebody how they're doing you know on the bike, and they look down at their numbers and tell you you know what their average power is or something like that. Um, I, I think we 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 can't forget about that. 
about what it's like to, to really know how you're feeling. You know, a, a lot of people, it's just about looking at, you know, oh, I had a great ride today because my numbers said this, you know. Um, I mean, Jim, we come across a lot of people that are maybe a little bit too uh, numbers. numbers oh, I, I agree completely. You know, there's there are a lot of people. It's easy to um, be dependent on a computer to tell you how you're feeling. Sure. Right. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. So at the, the end of the day, that's always the most important thing. And that's another reason why we'll have people once in a while, you know, all right, leave your computer at home and just go ride your bike today. Don't, don't look at it. It's hard for a lot of people. Yeah. But it's yeah. super important. It's super important. That, um, okay. So that, that beautifully that, segued into another question that we got. Which, well, real quick, real quick. Sorry. Yo, the fact that, like nowadays it's, you know, people are like throwing their numbers out on, uh, you know, on Instagram or whatever platform that, you know, kind of showing up. It's crazy. It's just how, how data driven we are today. So I think it's important. We all need to kind of look in the mirror and like, and uh, maybe take a step back once in a while and worry a little bit less about numbers and more about just, you know, getting outside and putting in a good effort and and um, and not worrying so much about numbers. Sorry to interrupt you there, Pete. No, no, it's good. I, I think that's a great point. I think we've talked about it on the podcast. I can't remember if it was with Jim or not, but we talked about um, Strava and how it can that can really get into people's minds. And it did to me, too. Sure. And and you see people like they they record the ride and they name it like recovery ride because they feel like they need to explain to people why they weren't going out there super hard and um yeah I it, I think a word of caution to to not get too deep into um the optics of how your training log looks right sure I think that that's, yeah, it that's can be, important it can be a bit crippling I think and I think one of the best ways around that is you know, do your workout, stay present, give your best in the moment and then move on with your day. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Good questions though. Great questions. Attempting to keep things in the context of the rest of your life. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's, that's good advice. Okay. Next one. I, again, I think this segues really nicely. This question is essentially how do I track my progress if I don't have a power meter or I'm not like recording my FTP and working that stuff out? Like what's the best way to do that? Is it to have a route that is lightly trafficked that you can go and time yourself on once every three weeks or something like that and see if you're actually getting faster? What would you do? Yeah, that's a really good question because, you know, people that are training for someone and hire a coach, they, they, you know, always want feedback as of, am I improving? And I think the answer is different for each individual. You know, some people might want to uh, base it, everyone eventually bases it on speed, which I don't think is the necessarily the best metric. You know, a lot of people will call up and say, well, I can write so-and-so at average speed of, you know, X, Y, Z. Whereas, you know, if, if you're actually training and doing specific work, average speed isn't something that we really look at because if you're doing it correctly, the average speed is going to be relatively low, right? Because there's rest involved in between work and whatnot. Um, you know, I think that there are some metrics that, that you can track as far as like lactate threshold. Um, another really good metric that's, that's somewhat simple because it goes back to heart rate is just recovery time. Right. So, if you do a hard effort, be it, you know, 
a minute, whatever, but multiple minutes, etc. can be on the flats. It can be uphill, but, um, you can track how quickly your heart rate regulates. That's a pretty simple way to know that you're getting more fit. A lot of times people will be working with us for a while, say based purely on heart rate. And then they'll be concerned because they're like, wow, my heart rate, it's just not quite as high as it used to be. Am I not pushing hard enough? And, and, you know, I always tell them, no, that's desirable because you're becoming more efficient. Right. So I think that just being, and that comes back to listening to your body. So being aware kind of your baselines and then noticing some subtle differences. So how quickly you recover based on heart rate, um, you know, how, how maybe you can do a same effort with a little bit less perceived effort. Those are some simple tools. And then, you know, you can get very complex as well. Um, you know, as far as like looking at the VAM, um, you know, your, your FTP, et cetera. So there are a lot of ways to, to measure it, but I think the best way is just to kind of goes back to what Tyler said, listen to your body, see, go off a perceived effort, see if things feel a little bit better. And there's no constant, right? I think that performance in, in a lot of things, especially in cycling, it's cyclical. So it has peaks and valleys. If it's just a linear progression, you're really not doing your best. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then, you know, the old school approach, just finding <clears throat> maybe a local hill that you like going up or maybe don't like going up so much, but it's a good challenge for you. Just, you know, going out and, you know, do, testing yourself on that every once in a while or a flat to rolly circuit that's relatively safe and, you know, somewhat free of cars or free of cars, ideally, completely um, a safe circuit to kind of test yourself on. You know, ideally, it's it's uh, one that's kind of protected from the wind. So wind isn't so much of a factor every time. Um, but, yeah, just going out and testing yourself on the. On your local lap, favorite lap or, you know, that's uh, that's always a good thing to do. Yeah. So and, and nothing against yeah. spending thousands of dollars on all these machines that track all this <laughs> stuff. But if you don't have it, you can still try and get better. Right. Sure. For sure. And that's that's kind of fun way to do it, really. You know, um, just get getting out there and pushing it, pushing it and testing yourself. And, you know, uh, yeah, some like Jim said, some days will be better than others. And some days, you know. You might be training harder than ever, but, you know, sometimes your times aren't the fastest. And sometimes you got to get through these periods where you're maybe stressing your body even more and working super hard, but maybe not being super fresh and fast. But then uh, it's really money in the bank. And, you know, a few weeks down the road or maybe maybe it's a few months down the road, you're going to really see the benefits of all your hard work. So uh, I think that's probably another great point, right? You could be training hard for two months. You go and test yourself, you don't do well, but maybe you were getting over a cold, maybe you've been sleeping poorly, maybe there's been some other factors. Yeah. Two weeks later, you could perform totally different, right? Thousand percent. Thousand yeah, percent. exactly. Yeah. Good yeah. yeah. You know, cycling, I feel like you. there's so many more bad days or really tough days than good days, but, you know, you got to work through a lot of, you know, difficult days and that's, you know, training Oh man, I had so many hard days where, you know, I just wanted to, I felt like quitting, but you know, sometimes it's taking a break on your ride. You know, sometimes it's stop at a gas station, you know, just take a, a few deep breaths, get a, get a can of Coke or a Snickers bar or something like that. And, uh, kind of sit and rest for a few minutes and then hit it again. And sometimes you come back even stronger, you know, 
But yeah, you lots of bad days out there, but you got to stay, you know, stay focused on the, on the task at hand and, and know that if you keep working hard, you know, the results will come. But sometimes you don't see it right away. Some, you know, sometimes it takes months to really see it. And uh, yeah, that's what it's all about. Cycling's a tough, tough sport. Ty, what is it? <laughs> you know, you're gonna get, eat a lot of humble pie. I certainly did. You know, right. but what is but the thing? All of a sudden, say? you have a good, all of a sudden you have a good day, and it's like it makes all that worthwhile. What's that, Jim? What is it that, you know, used to say 100 bad days for one good day? Yeah, that's kind of what it was. That's what it right. felt like for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just know it's not always going to be, you know, it's, you know, you, whether you have, you have numbers or not on the front of your bike, you know, like whether you have a, you know, power gadget or not, like, you know, it's, it's not always going to be great. And uh, you're going to, you know, they're not, you know, what the feelings aren't always going to be there. The good feelings, you know, the feeling like, you, like, like you don't have a chain sometimes, like you're not always going to feel that way. Sometimes when you look down at your numbers, they're not going to be exactly what you're hoping for. But just you know, it's important to just you know keep plugging away, keep working hard, keep you know stay focused on resting, recovery, and all that. And like you know, the good days will come. You know, you just got you got to be patient. And you know, there's no harder sport than cycling. That's for sure. And, you know, you eat a lot of humble pie. That's, mm -hmm. You know, but the, but the good days will come. The good days, and once in a while, you'll have a great day. Yeah, it's all true. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. <laughs> um, next question is, okay, so this is surrounding how you want to space out your in British Columbia. Uh, question is, um, I'm planning on doing a couple of Grand Fondos not totally sure how to spend my training time and is it more beneficial to do multiple shorter rides throughout the week or to try and do one long ride on a weekend so and that's a good question and i obviously depends on your schedule and what's even feasible but conceptually is it better to go on like three 90 minute rides or just every sunday you go and do five hours yeah, do you, you want to start or do you want me to Yeah, start? so personally, I think that, you know, just throwing in these long rides and that being your focus um, eventually just kind of makes you tired and slow. For do, you know, anytime you're doing a Grand Fondo, there's going to be miles involved, so you do need some saddle time. But what I've found works best, what we like our clients to do are, you know, shorter rides during the week if possible with specific work. So, you know, this can be an hour with intensity, with some strength type work, etc. And then, you know, maybe one longer ride um, once in a while on the weekends leading up to it. Yeah. And that usually seems to fit most people's schedules, right? You know, the, the majority of people are busier during the week. They might have a little bit more time on the weekends. And when I say a longer one on the weekend, you know, it can be three, four hours, something like that. But I yeah. think that's the best use of your time. Okay. So like very much like an old school marathon training schedule, right? Like long, shorter, faster work during the week, long run on the weekend. Sure. Sure. But if you only had time just for the shorter rides or the one long ride on the weekend, I'd go with a shorter, like Jim said, I'd go with the shorter rides, you know, with maybe every few weeks, you know, skipping the weekdays and doing a long ride on the weekend. But I'd say in general, focusing, yeah, on the shorter ones. Um, 
But yeah, I don't think you need an endurance ride every week. That's for sure. What else, Pete? What other kind of questions do we? I don't know if we really answered that question well, but I think it did. I mean, you know, that that one's sort of incomplete in my, my opinion. I feel like you need to dig deeper into what you're doing the rest of the week. Like if you get a couple of runs in and some yoga. Yeah. Like maybe you're okay with the long ride, right? Or if you're a much more experienced rider, maybe you're okay with the one long ride. But if you're trying to get into this sport, maybe I, I would probably favor the shorter rides um, with a little more intensity. So yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that one kind of, you know, it kind of depends. Although that you could probably say that about a lot of these questions, it kind of depends, right? What kind of riding you're doing and what your objective is. If it's to go complete a Fondo versus going to really throw down a time, that's different too, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But no, I think you summarized it, you know, correctly. Shorter, more specific rides with, with some intensity with a few longer rides built in, right? So, yeah. you don't we don't want people to show up at a Grand Fondo when they've never ridden over an hour, right? There needs to be right. some longer rides. But I think those longer rides, honestly, are more for just saddle time, getting your body used to it. But the improved performance and the stuff that's really going to make you better in those events come through the shorter, more intense training rides. Absolutely. Hour, hour and a half. Yeah. Okay. Yep, yeah, that makes sense. Good question. Uh, I didn't hear the uh, person's name. You said they were in BC. But good yep. question. That was that was Jen in BC. Jen, good question. Great question. I've got one one last question. This one is also uncredited, and this one's not about cycling. This one's about training for an ultra marathon. So I'm glad that we have some runners listening to the podcast too. Um, nice. How big of a role do you think walking should play in training? Ooh. Which I thought was a great question. That's a great at some question. point. It's probably and, a diminishing return on just junk miles, right? Yeah. Well, you know, this is purely conjecture on my part because I can't, you know, I can't really claim to to have any knowledge on ultra, you know, other than some stuff that I've read. Beyond, I know that a lot of the pace is basically like a, a, a quick walk, right? So I, I would think it's important. And Absolutely. I know that so many of those events, they just become a war of attrition and, and purely mental right so if you're walking you're walking just keep put i think whatever you can do to put one foot in front of the other right so sure. walking in my opinion would would be a good tool absolutely yeah just um i would say some days going out instead of even running just going out for like a speed walk you know like an endurance speed walk once in a while especially when your body's maybe <clears throat> a little bit banged up um kind of reduce some of the pounding just going out for a long kind of you know you can walk pretty fast that's for sure yeah yeah ju just slow enough so that you always have one foot on the ground yeah basically yep yeah 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 um and that can be kind of nice too good for your <clears throat> good for your head to kind of just enjoy maybe a little bit slower of a pace looking around a little bit and you know may hopefully you know bring a friend along that'd be good too but uh yeah i mean pete <laughs> Pete and I are gonna we're gonna we've been challenging each other to see if we can run forty miles. So, run forty miles. Yeah. I mean, dude, I'll be walking for sure. Nice. Walking for sure. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> well, it it depends on the terrain too, right? But my expectation is that it'll be hilly. Yeah, so. it'll probably be hilly. 
That's a long ways. That's a great challenge. Do you guys uh, have a time frame? Jim, do you want in? Jim, you want in? Cool. <laughs> we'll cover that on the next podcast. Okay. I'm a definite maybe. Okay. 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 We're not going to forget about it, though. No. <laughs> no, no, for sure. No, we said it. We said it. And my yeah. brother, too. We can't, let's not let my brother off the hook. We signed him up for Leadville. Next oh, he signed you or no, we're not yet, but you know, we signed him up here. Basically. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. we <laughs> we it. did we did verbally yeah. sign him up for Leadville. Yeah. So nice. Jeff. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> this That's is great, fun. you guys. Um, I hope that we answered some questions, and let's let's keep it going. Those are great questions. I'm, I'm I glad think for good. Yeah. All so the people that uh, sent them in. Yeah. Huge thank you to everybody who wrote in. So one more time, uh, questions hit us up on facebook audio uh, to all of those places and uh, adventure audio podcast at gmail.com is the best place to reach us um jim tyler you guys got anything you want to chat about uh anything you want to cover before we go tyler i don't want to totally put you on the spot if you're not ready but maybe we can drop a teaser that you might be working on uh on some type of event happening in, in uh, montana this year oh yeah maybe a gravel event at the <clears throat> at the end of the year yeah yep yep um yeah that's kind of all i can say about it now but hopefully it ha hopefully we can pull it off for this year if not 2021 for sure yeah details yeah, to follow but as yeah, we have more details on that we'll yeah we'll let them out well, awesome. okay well if you can oh, pull it Jim, off maybe, hey maybe you know someone that can get me an entry if it happens yeah. <laughs> for sure for sure cool yeah Great. jim be up to you the next few weeks You're hey, jim what is what does you know, your training uh, plan look like or steamboat oh man um as we get a little bit further into the year it's gonna it's gonna be a little more volume but kind of like what we we're just talking about you know there's there are no secrets so the the workouts that we send to our clients you know i'll be doing those 40 20s yep, some hill nice. work um i'm gonna be in colorado um the beginning of april for a week and so hopefully uh, the weather cooperates. I plan on getting a lot of time on the bike. I'll, I'll be in Boulder, awesome. Boulder area. So getting out on the bike there. And if either of you two are in the, in the area, we can, we can do some uh, training rides. But uh, yeah, gravel is where it's at. I'm excited. That's awesome. Yeah, it's Thank you, coaches. It was yeah. fun. Thanks Good. for your time, you guys. We'll talk yeah. to you soon. Good to see you guys. Thanks you too, time, you too fellas. Nice job. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Yeah, we'll you do it too. again we'll soon. We'll talk to you guys soon. Appreciate Bye, it. Guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Bye, guys. Peace. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. These are really fun podcasts for us to do. So as we said at the introduction of the show, please reach out to us at adventureaudiopodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter and uh, send us your training questions. We'd love to get into it, whether it's running, cycling, or something sort of in between, uh, whether it's a single-day event or a multi-day event that you're looking at doing. We would love to have an opportunity to chat about it. When you write in, please tell us where you're from and what your name is so we can give you credit for your question on the podcast. Uh, lastly, thank you everybody who's been subscribing and leaving reviews and listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it and we are going to continue recording as often as possible and uh, bring you great conversations about endurance sports and the outdoors.